Oh, so this is the thanks I get for working overtime. Overtime! You think you know me. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Jace Brown, and Dawson Wise joining you on a Monday, a victory Monday after a big win in Rupp Arena. We'll dive into that right here in a second. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us on today's show. Later in the hour, we'll talk about Joe Milton struggling in the Senior Bowl in Mobile this past weekend. We'll also give you our best bets at the end of the hour. A lot to stay tuned here for on overtime. But let's open it up with the Vols taking down Kentucky and Rupp. The six-ranked Vols won on the road in a matchup of AP top 10 teams as it earned a 103-92 to victory, 103 points on the road uh, over the eighth-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, and they did that behind a co-career best 26-point career high, 13-assist double-double from junior guard Zakai Ziegler, and a career best 26 points from fifth-year guard Josiah Jordan-James. The fifth-ranked Vols now improved to 16-5, and 6-3 and in the SEC, and they claimed a wire-to-wire triumph over the Wildcats at Rupp Arena. Uh, Ziegler finished tonight 8-11 of 11 from the floor, 3-6 of six behind the arc, and 7-10 of 10 at the stripe. He had 13 assists and just two turnovers while notching a game-best three steals. He became the second SEC player in at least 25 seasons per ESPN Stats and Info, to record even 25-10 and 10 on the road against the Wildcats. Really impressive feat from him, coming off a, a rough performance against South Carolina. Uh, Fifth-year guard Don Connect totaled 16 points and hit all five of his free throws, while the Scovey, who also earned his third road victory over the Wildcats, scored 11 points, shot three of four on three-pointers. Uh, Jonas Adu uh, added 11 points and a game-best 11 rebounds and a team-high three blocks, uh, giving the Volunteers two players with a double-double. Um, what a win. I thought this was dominant from the jump. You came out and set the tone, something we talked about last week yep. in our keys to the game. Come out there and set the tone, and they did that early. Yeah. Um, they converted on their open looks uh, from the three-point line. Um, something we'll dive more into here in a minute, but Kentucky, the sixth best three-point shooting team in the country heading into the game, shot and made as many threes as Tennessee did. Uh, both finished with 12 threes apiece. I thought matching that number was very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they just, it, throughout the whole game, wire to wire went on the road, stuff to do, but you never really thought Tennessee was out of control of that one. Um, now, in the first half, it got a little bit, um, you, you kind of let Kentucky back in a little bit, um, but Tennessee responded coming out of that second half. 
And I thought it was the best performance we've seen from Josiah all season. Um, he was aggressive from the jump, um, taking the open shots he was given, driving it inside. Everyone played with confidence. Uh, Viscovi played with confidence. Ganey had a couple really big plays early in that first half. Um, I thought this was the most complete game Tennessee has played all year, and it was in the biggest moment where you were on the road in a hostile environment. You needed a performance like that from your supporting cast. Dawn Connect wasn't the the 30-point performance Dawn Connect we've been seeing, but still adding in 16 points to where he's not completely taken out of the game. Um, I thought defensively they did a lot better job defending the perimeter. Now, Kentucky's going to make their fair share, but you only allowed three open shot threes. Uh, in my opinion, to sum all of this up, this was the best performance they've had all season, in my opinion, in a really big moment. What do you guys say? Yeah, uh, the biggest thing for me uh, was that, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, this team does not need to rely on Dalton Connect to be their sole source of offense. Uh, they showed, finally, I think it's about time they showed that a lot of these guys can pick, not really pick up the slack. It's not that Dalton Connect had an off night. It's just he didn't need to really do anything. From the jump, I mean, two threes in the first basically 90 seconds of the game, uh, and by then you knew. I mean, you knew you're off to a good start. You set the yeah. tone, mm-hmm. um, and Connect never had to take over the game. He was there. He was a constant threat. Um, but Kentucky fully focused on shutting him down, uh, and it let everybody else get going. Mm-hmm. And Connect just took a back seat and said, "All right, I'm going to stand over here. You, you guys work your magic, and I'll be here if you need me." Um, and that was so huge. My second one: Welcome back, Josiah Jordan James. Yes, mm-hmm. my goodness, uh, I had to reread the stat a couple times. I did not get to catch the whole game, <laughs> but I had to reread it a couple times to make sure I was looking at the right person. Yeah. Uh, again, looked like he was having fun, loose, comfortable. Uh, it seems to be he's played a little bit timid. He's getting away from what, what he's been able to do, uh, what works, uh, and he got back to it. And, and, I mean, we needed it last night – or the other night, excuse me, and we got it in a big way. Uh, he has another statement performance. That's huge for him this year, huge for his confidence, huge for his career, I think, as well, his career best performance. Yes. Being at Rupp uh, is going to be quite a story to tell down the line. Exactly. Uh, and the last one for me, don't give this team a reason to get fired up. That, uh, that little scrum between Bradshaw and Awaka and Ganey and Dillingham, mm-hmm. the, the Vols it turned up the, the temperature even a little bit more after that, I think, than it already was. Uh, after that little scrap, we've all seen the picture now looking from behind Bradshaw, the, the look on Tobey Awaka's face. <laughs> Not a man I'd want to mess with. Uh, personally, but after they got that little bit of material for them to be motivated by, uh, they really turned up the heat after that, and the game never looked back uh, and pulled away. What what a great win. I mean, a huge win and a confidence booster for sure. Absolutely. I mean, first thing that I thought of was uh, a gutsy SEC road win, especially yes. in a place like Rupp Arena where, uh, like, you know, the announcers are saying before and after the game that this is, like, the most raucous they've seen a game in quite some time going into uh, Saturday night. You go in there and you hang 103 on them, that's always pretty good. Uh, second thing, like you hit on, uh, Triple J coming back to life. I mean, we've seen him out of it for a good almost two months at this point. So to see him have, like you said, his career best at Rupp Arena, I think it was tied for like the fourth best mark that a Tennessee player has scored, at least in in the 2000s uh, or in the 21st century, like tied fourth with Ziegler for most points. Uh, that's something to take away. Uh, also glad to see Ziegler back into things. Um, you know, I, I read something where he accounted for uh, either scoring or assisted on 60 of Tennessee's 103 points, which is absolutely bananas. So good to see him have another career night, uh, especially when you need it when, you know, you're not having to lean on DK the whole night. You can give him sort of a break, even though 
I, he missed a couple shots here and there, but nothing that really swung anything. Uh, and I really also liked uh, how collected this team was after that chippiness. I mean, I think it lit a fire under them, but they never let it uh, control them. Right. They, they kind of just took that and ran with it. So I, I was really proud to see that uh, sort of a different face of this team after that. You know, one of the things we talked about again on Friday and after that South Carolina game was, okay, Dalton Connect had 31 points in that loss to South Carolina. You only put up 59 points in total. And over 50% of your production was Dalton Connect. And one of the questions we asked, and it wasn't in a, a negative tone, but was this team and is this team to Dalton Connect reliant? And you get Ziegler and Josiah Jordan-James to combine for 52 points on Saturday night on the road. How big was their production in a huge rank contest? It was huge, but for very different reasons. Uh, on Friday, I mentioned that Zakai Ziegler would be a pretty big option. You knew they were going to try to shut down Connect, and Zakai had to get it going. Um, so we expected him to have a decent night. I, I don't think any of us expected him to have 26 and 13, but mm. we expected him to be a, a solid contributor, uh, especially if we were going to win the game. He was going to have to control the offense, control the flow. Uh, he did that, but also went off on the stat sheet as well, had his best performance since returning from injury. Um, so his was huge, whereas I don't think a lot of us had many expectations for Triple J in that game. Mm-hmm. and We figured he would be good defensively, but that's about it. Uh, this, for him, is massive. Uh, we have needed this out of him. He has needed this out of himself, I think. Uh, he needed to show he can still do it. He does in a huge way. Um, and going forward, having these guys doing this in a game like that, it is massive. I mean, because the games only get bigger from here. When you get into postseason play, knowing now that these guys are back, especially Triple J, uh, is is going to be huge for this team. Yeah, Triple J is definitely the one to hone in on here because, I mean, I, I guess I said it several times over the last couple weeks, it's just he's been gone for us. And then you come out and shoot the laces off of it. I mean, 26 points from a guy that's been putting up like a good – two, a three, a zero here and there in these last few SEC games. Uh, I've, I've been really blown away by that. So seeing him, he shot 50% from the floor on Saturday, hitting yeah. nine of his 18 shots. So uh, shooting it at a decent clip too. Uh, ZZ, uh, just kind of glad to see him uh, back in more of a, uh, I guess, a more prominent facilitator role where he's not dropping it off. And then he's then said guy he drops it off to gets the pass to DK for these last couple weeks uh, and he drops it in. So seeing him uh, be that one pass and done kind of guy, I'm really happy to see that. Uh, felt like the offense clicked so much better than than it has these last few weeks. Everybody felt like there was a confidence boost across the board. Uh, like you said, William uh, Ganey had like five quick points in that first half. Uh, didn't really see too much after that, but I mean, we also saw Cameron Carr get out there for the first time in yeah. what feels like forever. Uh, so that was exciting. He made a good uh, assist to who was it? JoJo that that took that alley oop, or was that? Uh, yeah, 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 it was. yeah, yeah. So seeing him get out there, get some solid minutes in a big game like that, that that's also something that. Uh, impressed me look Ziegler is a guy that's played really well over the uh, last eight games had a little bit of a mulligan there against South Carolina but in the new year he's been really efficient Um, on the other side Josiah Jordan James came out to start the season so hot and has kind of been lost in the tracks and on Saturday you know, you needed your veterans to to perform in a game like that. This is Viscovi and Josiah Jordan James' third performance on the road against the, the, the Wildcats in a win. Um, so you needed a guy like that to perform like he did. And and uh, Jordan Moore just sent me um, Josiah Jordan James' uh, shot chart. Um, three of six 
from the top of the key from three-point. Um, two of two inside the mid-range area. Three of seven in the paint. Um, did hit a three in the corner as well. One, th- one for three there. But seeing bright red on a Josiah Jordan James <laughs> shot chart is a great feeling. And mm-hmm. I was so happy for him. I really was. Because I know... Um, you know, being there for five seasons, you're going to get a lot of uh, hate and, and a lot of criticism of, okay, this guy's been here for five years. Why is he not performing like a fifth-year senior? Um, and and I think that performance on Saturday was exactly what you need from a fifth-year senior, a guy that's been there before, can live and play in the biggest moments, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, we'll have Jordan on here in a second to talk more about this Tennessee offense and, and, and defense in, in terms of the history of Kempom. But um, – I thought that performance was so big for him. Ziegler, we've seen it from him over the last couple of games, over the last stretch in the new year. We really needed that from Josiah, and that's exactly what you got. Um, so Don Connect, a guy that's been red hot as of late, um, finished with 16 points of the Vols, 103. Uh, did this performance prove that the Vols' offense is not solely reliant on Connect? It did. Uh, in, in a big way, too, uh, because even in some of these other games, you'll see Vescovy had 12, Ziegler had 15, um, but Connect had 35. Um, mm-hmm. In this game, Connect goes out there and is the third leading scorer on the team, which if you'd asked me Saturday morning, is Dalton Connect only going to score 16 and be third best on the team? I'd have said no. Uh, I figured he would have 35, mm-hmm. uh, but we didn't need him to. Uh, and again, massive, massive, massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I think mm-hmm. we've been waiting for this. Um, and to have it happen against Kentucky, of all people, at Rupp, uh, is even bigger. Uh, this team can show up in the big moment. They have not lost that. They've got confidence back on the road as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connect doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting on the road either, uh, whereas in a couple of these games where we've had to dig back out of holes, North Carolina comes to mind, uh, Mississippi State comes to mind, it's been all Dalton Connect. Yeah. And he drags the team back in. This game, it, it felt like, oh, good good for Dalton Connect. He, he got a shot to go. And then it was Ziegler and, and Josiah for the next mm-hmm. eight points. Um, and that, that's huge. Uh, and I think the scoring drought problem is gone, too. I, I, it was a little bit of an issue late in the first half. I know you let Kentucky get back into it, but uh, having multiple options now that can go along with Connect, if he gets cold, mm. okay, give it to Ziegler. He can get six points. Give it to Josiah. He can get us four points. Give it to Ganey. Uh, that, I, I think, is huge as well. I think we all know kind of what this team's identity was on the scoring side of things coming into this year, just with all uh, the returning guys. Like our, our starting five besides DK are all guys uh, that started last year in some capacity. And uh, we're used to seeing them put up about – 10, 11 points a night. I mean, uh, one guy that stood out to me on Saturday uh, coming up when he needed to was uh, Jonas Adu going for uh, 11 and 11 with points and rebounds. So seeing him uh, get back on track of things, like he, he's been solid all year, but uh, especially pulling down the 11 boards against uh, this team, that was definitely good. That definitely helped roll things over to the offensive side. Uh, but mainly, you know, getting, getting these guys, like you've been saying, uh, like the gain he's back on track. He's finally starting to find his rhythm. Josiah, definitely the one that stands out here. Uh, taking that pressure off of DK is huge because, I mean, these defenses are going to be honing in on him just because they know what he can do and what he's done all year. Uh, so finally finding these guys uh, and for them to have the, enough confidence to put the ball in the basket, I think that's going to be huge rolling over to these next couple months. Yeah, I think definitely this performance showed that, hey, you know, we've got other guys on this team that can put up points and, and play valuable roles as well. 
And I think we all knew that, but we had just yet to seen that in a big spot. And consistency yeah. mm-hmm. has been a, a thing that has also been something that we have lacked at times this season. But um, coming off your worst performance of the season and then matching it with one of your best on the road, I thought spoke volumes to this team. And, and to me, that really um, – you can, you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel as the season goes on if you can get performances like that, a big response. Now, I think the next thing and the next step they need to take is, okay, how do you follow up a bad half or a bad stretch of basketball and follow it up with some of your best? Because even last year, I hate to bring it up, but in that Sweet 16 game, mm. you know, you, you fell behind and had that rut offensively and were not able to find a way to get that consistency back going. So now we've seen it on a game-to-game scale. I'd like to see it in an in a in-game situation as well. Let's bring Jordan Moore in here real quick. Um, Jordan was with us on Friday. And Jordan, one of the things we talked about was the Vols perimeter defense. And in the game on Saturday, Vols only allowed three open shot threes, which is something you provided with me earlier, um, and that's right on par with the season average. Uh, your thoughts on the defensive performance on Saturday night? Yeah, I thought, you know, outside of the, the Dillingham kid being absolutely unconscious, mm-hmm. I thought Tennessee had a, a really good defensive game plan. I mean, you look up with three minutes to go in that game, and Kentucky only had 75 points. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, down the stretch it became, you know, uh, a foul fest, and we were giving up easy stuff at the end of the game because we kind of relaxed, knew the game was over. But we gave up 75 with, you know, what, uh, 37 minutes of that game. So that's a pretty good defensive performance. And as you pointed out, that's something that we talked about on Friday when I was in the studio is Kentucky's tendency to, to shoot really, really well from three. They were shooting it right at 40% entering the game. They shot above that in the game. Um, so we didn't hold them below their, their season average. But what we did do was – we didn't give them a lot of open looks. Um, you know, in the South Carolina game, uh, we gave up seven open looks, which was the third most all season. And this mm-hmm. game, we kind of came back down to our season average of just three. Um, I thought it was a very, very good defensive performance. Um, I thought that Zakai was a pest um, yeah. on the defensive end. And I, I love when he's playing that way, when he has that type of confidence, because not only can he change the game on the offensive end, but he can also change the game on the defensive end. Um, the way he's able to kind of get into the opposing guards' heads uh, and, and and rip the ball away and put some pressure on them and make them take longer to get into their offensive sets. So I, defensively, I thought it was was a better performance watching the game than what you would see on paper. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was a really good defensive performance. Yeah, I kind of felt like the defense, and really the team in general, played with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They did. Um, and I, I love that. And, and one of those games on the road, you've got to kind of have a chip on your shoulder. I yep. think um, a lot of people saw that performance on Tuesday against South Carolina and, and said, okay, maybe Tennessee is not as good as we thought. And, you know, they come in – into a hostile environment, a rivalry game. Uh, started all or started out as a favorite, moved to an underdog. A lot of people think Kentucky was going to handle business, and and they kind of play with that chip on their shoulder defensively. And as Jordan alludes to, you know, you look at the box score, allowing 12 threes um, on, on a forty sh- percent uh, clip is not great. But I think when you watch the game and see how Tennessee was able to kind of knock Kentucky off their game early, that doesn't really necessarily reflect in the box score. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, garbage time and a bunch of fouls towards the end of the game moved that number up to, what was it, 92, 93. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the box score doesn't give a complete justice to the performance that Tennessee put out defensively. And I thought it was one of their best uh, in, a, in a really big game. Um, now, Jordan – 
You texted me earlier today about something you want to talk about, uh, the adjusted offense efficiency and adjusted defense efficiency, which is something that Tennessee is hitting the criteria about. Tell the viewers and listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so each Monday since the beginning of January, I've been tweeting out a a stat from Ken Palm. Ken uh, Ken Palm was created in 1999, um, and it gives you, you know, analytical data, uh, obviously adjusted offensive efficiency, adjusted defensive efficiency. You know, you hear him talk about it on the broadcast. And I've been, and, and the data that I've been tweeting out has been based off after the NCAA tournament has ended. Um, and what that is, is there's a criteria that 23 out of the 24 national champions uh, in college basketball has had an offensive rating of 114 and higher or a defensive rating of 94 or less. Um, the only outlier there, I think, was the 2014 national championship team with UConn, who had Kimball Walker and their offensive rating was 113.6, so they were right there at it. Um, but what I was able to find today was I was able to find the data before the NCAA tournament started, what, uh, what you could look at to see who a potential national champion could look like. And the data changed just a little bit, not very much. It went from 114 down to 113.9, and the defense went from 94 to 96 or less. Um, so... Um, 20, 21 out of your 22 national champions, this is going back to 2001, uh, fit that criteria. Once again, the only one that did not was that UConn team uh, with Kimba. Um, and right now in college basketball, you have 12 teams that fit this criteria. Um, Tennessee is one of those teams. They pretty much have fit this criteria the entire season. Um, and this is the only team that I can find under the Barnes era who have fit this criteria. We, we know we've talked about the Admiral Grant team and how great they were. They didn't fit this criteria because they weren't that good on the defensive end. And the Kennedy Chandler team didn't fit this criteria because they weren't as good on the offensive end. This team fits both of those criteria currently, and they have uh, pretty much the entire season. Yeah, so those teams that are that fit that criteria right now, Purdue, UConn, Arizona, Auburn, Tennessee, Kansas, Houston, UNC, Marquette, Michigan State, San Diego State, and Iowa State. And um, this metric is actually something that I've used in years past. Uh, what I used last year as well, I picked UConn to win the tournament. Um, and it's one of these things. Now, there are a couple other things that go in, into it as well to kind of narrow it down, but this is one of the, the best metrics of saying at least here are the teams that could really make a tournament run um, compared to just the, the Blue Bloods with good logos and, and the teams that have been ranked all year. This metric gives you who's good on both sides of the ball, and um, Tennessee meets that criteria, and, and I think they play that to a T uh, against Kentucky on Saturday. Anything more you want to uh, add in, Jordan? Oh, no, that was pretty much it. I thought it was a great uh, bounce-back performance by Tennessee. You know, we talked about it when we were in the studio last week. The out, I, I was using that South Carolina game as an outlier. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That offensive performance was just a bad night, um, and it was great to see the team bounce back um, and knock down their shots at a very high clip. And one last thing, Brad Goffer, that I'll say about Josiah, you know, I've been a hard critic of Josiah, um, especially here lately with the bad month that he had in January. And it's because that performance that we saw on Saturday night I know he has that, and I know he has that ability to, to do that. It's just it's not there on a consistent basis. He, he was aggressive Saturday night. He looked for his shot. He shot the ball with confidence. Um, you know, he, he attacked the rim. He got, he got to the rim. And that's all I've been wanting to see from him for the past month in this slump is, man, just play confident. If the shots yeah. don't fall, they don't fall. But you can't just be, 
you know, Casper out there on the offensive end and just be hiding in a corner and not being aggressive. And if he's, if he's just – I don't expect 26 every night, but if he can give you 10, 13, 14, you know, consistently on a nightly basis, it takes the ceiling of this team even higher. And the blueprint, uh, you know, I think I texted you this, William, is Tuesday night we saw the blueprint of how this team goes home early. Saturday night you saw the blueprint of how this team makes the Final Four. Yeah. Everybody has to be involved. Yeah. Everybody has to chip in. Everybody has to be confident. Everybody has to be aggressive. If that happens and you're able to get some double-digit scoring from three, four, five of your guys, this team's going to make a Final Four run. Yeah, I, I think you put it, mm-hmm. put it perfectly there, Jordan. Thank you so much for calling in, man. Have a good night, guys. You as well. All right, uh, real quick before we head to a break, um, how confident does a shooting night like this uh, make you guys for the rest of the season and, and beyond? Uh, very. Uh, you know, if you, like Jordan just said, I think this team becomes a not a shoe-in for the Final Four, but certainly a team that can make that run. Uh, if you can extend this into the postseason, especially in some of these tournament games, there's not many teams in the country that are going to beat a team that's this good when they're on offensively and that's also this good defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes you not unbeatable, but certainly very tough to beat. Um, yeah. you, you have to play arguably your best game of the year to beat a team like this. Uh, when they're on, one of the most fun and explosive offensive teams in the country, when you have all your weapons working along with Dalton Connect, I mean, it's just so fun to watch this team when they're on. Uh, I mean, anytime you can watch a college team score triple digits in a game like that is a lot of fun. Um, if they can keep it going, it gives me a ton of confidence uh, offensively. Yeah, the only thing that keeps me from being completely sold is the consistency like you brought up. I mean, this has just been sort of a one-game type of deal uh, where where DK or somebody else just isn't taking over. It felt like everybody kind of pitched in on this one. Uh, so, I, so I think uh, it, it, it was night and day from last Tuesday, in, in my opinion, just from uh, how everybody contributed. So if they can continue that consistently where other guys are bringing in 10-12 apiece like Jordan was saying – uh, there's a chance this team can really lock themselves in for this postseason, but uh, I, th- I think it mainly goes in as a mindset. You really got to treat every game from here on out kind of like that Kentucky game. You can't look overlook anybody. You got to come in confident and knowing what you can do, and I think this team can thrive. Yeah, Tennessee shot 49% overall, 40% from long range, had a 42-30 to 30 edge in paint points, and shot 74% from the line um, on the road. Made 19 free throws. That's, that's really big. Yep. Uh, Tennessee now heads to Knoxville this week where they'll play LSU on Wednesday night. We'll have you covered here on Overtime before the game. Uh, when we come back, we've got Joshy Boy on the line. Stay right here on Overtime. Are you in need of a smile makeover? Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Costa at Knoxville Smiles. And if you're ready to improve your smile, replace teeth that are missing, make your dentures tighter, add implants to your mouth, whatever you may need, we're here to discuss a wide range of easy, pain-free cosmetic and restorative procedures that can create a glowing, radiant smile that you've always dreamed of. Don't wait any longer. The time is now. Call us today at Knoxville Smiles and schedule your appointment at 865-539-1776 or go online to KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com. And be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. 
When it's past high noon, it's time for a vodka soda made with a vodka you've actually heard of. I'm talking White Claw vodka soda made with White Claw premium vodka. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. And you can too. Pick you up a bottle of the triple wave filtered vodka that's been distilled five times. White Claw premium vodka comes in four flavors. Black cherry, mango, pineapple, and just vodka. You haven't had vodka like this. No one has. White Claw Premium Vodka. Please drink responsibly. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit Rogers Hydrant Service. I was afraid to cut the cord, but once I did, I couldn't believe it took so long to do it. Paying too much for my cable bill had become a bad habit. I either wasn't getting what I wanted or never knew where to find any of my favorite shows until it was too late. Plus, the prices just kept going up. Thankfully, I discovered a new way to watch called Philo. For just $25 a month, I can catch all my favorite shows on networks like BET, MTV, and TLC. It even has Nickelodeon for my kids. I can watch anytime I want, anywhere I want. Plus, Philo lets me have up to three streams at once, so everyone can watch what they want at the same time. Throw in the unlimited DVR that saves all my favorites for up to a year, and this really is the best deal in TV. I just wish I hadn't waited so long. Sound too good to be true? Well, try it out for yourself, and you'll see why people who love TV love Philo. Go to philo.tv, that's P-H-I-L-O.tv and start your seven-day free trial now. Back here on Overtime, a Monday night in Knoxville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's head right back to the phones where we've got Joshy Boy on the line. What is up, Joshy? What up, guys? How are you? How are you guys doing on uh, this victorious Monday? Uh, we're doing great. Big win. Uh, calls for a, a big show. Yes. So uh, I got an interesting stat for you guys. All right, lay it on us. All right. This is uh, from Action Network, okay? Uh-huh. Bill Vinovich will officiate Super Bowl 58. So uh, if you bet $100 on every underdog on the money line in games ref by Vinovich since 2017, you'd be up $3,609. Wow. Okay. And I guess who's an underdog Sunday night? And the Chiefs Super are the underdogs. Chiefs. Yeah. Well, is that so, uh, is, so? Are you taking the Chiefs based off the uh, that metric? No, I've okay. I've uh, I put this bet in for a while. Okay, since last week. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I I so I I cashed out my I had Chiefs plus one and a half, um, and I, I wanted to get it at two and a half. So I, I cashed gotcha. out the two and a half, and also the money line. I want to get better odds, but um, and we'll we'll dive more into the Super Bowl. Um, like as the week goes on, a lot you of. You think you'll put any on the money line, or are you just going to play the spread? Well, I don't know. It depends. I mean, two and a half is a less significant number than a three. Um, so then, right. if, if you're in the two and a half situation, you're most likely winning the game. Now, I, I could say that right now and then take money line, and it comes back to bite me. But 
Um, I don't know. I mean, NFL gambling and the, the books know what they're doing with that two and a half. They're not giving you the three because that's giving you a full, you know, situation where 49ers can come down, kick a field goal, and win the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I don't know. It, it's a it's a tough situation because uh, you can either take, you know, the 49ers come down and win it late. Or you can just you know hope that Mahomes and, and the Chiefs are able to just withstand a, a, a comeback or a, a win for the 49ers. It's tough right now. We'll dive more into it as the week goes yeah. on. But um, interesting. Yeah, stat. Well, Thank you. We for got that. we got plenty of more days to talk about the Super Bowl, but that's not why I called. The okay. reason I called is to talk about Tennessee's win Saturday night over Kentucky. So, yeah. uh, like Jordan was uh, saying, if you get like five four or five players in double figures, if you get that at least two or three times in the NCAA tournament, this team can definitely get to the Final Four. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, you've got the the makings of a Final Four team. Now, I think in, in Tennessee's biggest worry every season is, okay, what happens once we get to the tournament? What happens – um, in those games, you know, or is Tennessee able to kind of knock off the 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 camel on its back and able to win these big games and 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 survive the droughts that we've seen uh, in years past? But I think this team offers something that no team under Rick Barnes has really garnered, and that's something that Jordan just alluded to. Um, it's that you right. get it done at an elite level on both offense and defense. And, you know, the great tournament teams, the championship teams, get it done on both sides. UConn last year uh, was deafening defensively. And, oh, Jordan Hawkins, he gets hot. I mean, that that game's a runaway in a a flash. So, um, Tennessee's got the personnel to have a guy that can get hot real quick and put you away. They've also got the veterans that have been there before. um, and, And defensively, performing against Kentucky on the road, it's a tough environment to play in. Hanging up 103 points and really not allowing uh, more than 80 if you take out the garbage time and free throws, that, that's a really impressive win. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I enjoy most about Saturday night's win more, William. Seeing uh, Triple J go off on Kentucky's uh, subpar defense or seeing the Kentucky fans exit early before the game oh, was over. That was great. Yeah, I mean, either way, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a good feeling. I mean, I, I think personally for me, I enjoyed J- Josiah Jordan James having that kind of night because I think he's been due for it, and um, it's a good sign for him going forward. Now, obviously, anytime you can make the the home crowd go home early is a really good sign as well. I think there was one one frame. I think it was Ziegler at the line shooting yeah. free throws, and yeah. you can yeah. see the the blue file uh, go up the line. All the white hairs just booking it. Yeah. So uh, you guys were talking about Cameron Carr, and he played some decent minutes Saturday night. Could you see uh, Barnes giving him a few more minutes this season? Yeah, you know, when he came in, I was actually surprised. Now, I think at the time it was situational because Ziegler did have those two fouls with around mm, five right. minutes left. Um, so you've got to find a guy that's, um, you know, I, I, I mean, Carr is not necessarily what Ziegler is, but I guess yeah. he's um, can defend multiple positions a little bit quicker than some of the other guys. And you already had Mayshack out there, so you needed a – um, you need someone to come off the bench, and I, I think that he, you know, went to Carr because of his length and his size and ability to get it done defensively. He also had a, a really nice alley oop play. Now the three pointer he put up that hit the the top of the backboard one the prettiest, but um, yeah, I, I think getting those guys involved 
um, is a good thing. I did not mind Carr coming in. I actually applauded it. I go, okay, I did too. this is an opportunity in a big game for one of your guys that has yet to play a lot of minutes this season to get some meaningful ones, and that goes a long way. Estrella as well. Getting those guys involved early on can help you come March, and, and I think adding them in was a, a, a good thing. Yeah. So, uh, William, you know I'm a big Lakers fan. Is there any chance the Lakers can kind of pull off like a NBA playoff run like they did last year, like get to the Western Conference? I know if the season ended right now, they would be like in the 8-9 playing slot. What do you think about that? Uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. We'll talk about it a little bit more here in the second hour. Um, yeah. But Jared Vanderbilt going to be out for three to four weeks. Um, he's very significant for a playoff run, in my opinion. Their biggest thing, they got to get healthy, and they've not been healthy. Uh, and, and Jace is a Lakers fan as well, so he could weigh in on it too. Um, but I, I think if they're going to make a move, I, I think if they wanted to get over the hump and and not just kind of fill out the rest of the roster with a couple small pieces. I think DeJounte Murray's their best bet um, because and that, that gives you a, a starting four, at least, of DeJounte Murray, Austin Reeves, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. And the thing that's been so weird about this Lakers team this year, the health-related problems haven't even been LeBron and AD. It's been yeah. the, the supporting cast. So I think at its core, this team is still good enough to make a run and be right back in the Western Conference Finals. When I look around... I don't see, other than maybe the Clippers, a, a team better than the Lakers and Nuggets right now in a long series where everyone's healthy. Um, I know the Thunder have been a really nice story. They're fun to watch. The Timberwolves have been a fun story. They're fun to watch. Um, I think they'll win a playoff series, but they're similar to the Kings. They're young, inexperienced, yeah. um, and and could maybe get a, a series win, but I can't see them winning uh, long-term. The Suns are also a toss-up mm-hmm. as well. Um to me, I think the Lakers have the deepest roster other than the um, the Nuggets in the Western Conference when healthy. So if they want to make a move, I'd say DeJounte Murray, but really their their biggest ally is health. With William, you think they'd have to give up a lot for Murray? Um, well, it, it depends. I mean, you're going to have to give up some of your younger assets. I mean, Atlanta doesn't want, you know, old guys. Um, right. So I'd yeah. say probably you have to give up Jalen Hood Shafino, but that's a guy yeah. that's not going to play in a series. Right. Um, you're probably going to have to give up your uh, 20, 45 draft picks. I don't even know what the Lakers <laughs> have left at <laughs> yeah. this point. Um, and then I, I, I can't see them trading anyone big like an Austin Reeves. And no, that's probably who would. No, yeah. there's no way they're getting rid of Reeves. But, yeah. Uh, Guys, out the door, great win against uh, Kentucky Saturday night. But is there any way we could uh, get Frank the Tank from Barstool to go out and uh, do the coin toss in the Super Bowl? See ya. <laughs> that would be a sight. I'm I'm personally not a huge Frank the Tank guy, but uh, oh, I think my, he's annoying. Yeah, he's, all, look, yeah. all my roommates uh, eat him up and love him. I mean, they'll, they'll send videos. Uh, apparently, he's been walking recently to try. Oh and yeah, I've seen that. He, he's yeah. lost a lot um, of weight from that. So uh, on uh, sometimes my roommates will send a video of him running or walking, and uh, say day fifty seven of him running. Look how good he. You know, look how 
look at his progress. I, I don't really think the guy's funny. Be, being a Braves fan, uh, with his Mets meltdowns, uh, notably oh, against yeah. the Braves over the yeah. past couple of years, that's been kind of funny to me. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't really see Yeah, that. I, I, I kind of like I'm, – I'm a Cardinals fan, but, I mean, just seeing him just freak out over the smallest thing. Like, they lose one regular season game yeah. out of the 162. He's like, <laughs> we're only winning 30 games this year. I can't wait to sell the team. Just oh, random oh, stuff boy. like that. It's well, the most entertaining. He did the coin toss for the bar. Barstool, uh, bowl yeah, Arizona game. Bowl. What yeah. was it? Uh, Wyoming and uh, Toledo. Uh, Toledo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess he did. I don't know if the Super Bowl will let him come out and do I the coin toss. That might be a little That's above a big his pay grade. That's a big difference. He's also he's a he's a Mets fan, but he's also a Dolphins fan. I don't know how yeah, you get from and he's works. a Devils fan too. Opposite Devils, side. Yeah, uh, he's a Seen Hall fan as well. He, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Uh, hmm. Anyway, all right, let's uh, get into someone that doesn't always know what he's up to either, and that's Joe Milton, uh, Tennessee quarterback. Joe Milton III finished his week at the Reese Senior Bowl with an up-and-down performance in the college all-star game in Mobile in the 2024 NFL Draft Showcase game televised by NFL Network. The national team defeated Milton's America team 16-7 at the University of South Alabama. That's where the game was played. Um, On a team with four quarterbacks, Milton took command of the offense on four possessions, finished 9 of 13 for 80 yards, however, threw two uh, really bad interceptions. Uh, Both turnovers spoiling promising drives where Milton moved his team down the field. Um, Started all 12 regular regular season games for the Vols. um, Was one of the top guys um, coming into the season, and now – Really got outplayed by Spencer Rattler, who had a hell yes, of a week. Yeah, he did. Um, Milton went into the Senior Bowl as a ninth quarterback in the draft class. Uh, takeaways from Milton's performance in in the Senior Bowl. Look, I, I was very harsh to him last week, uh, saying I did not see him on an NFL roster. Period. I'm going to walk that back a little bit. Yeah, that was- he had some solid moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did, and he showed that he like he can do it, which is what makes it so frustrating when he throws a couple really bad interceptions. Uh, the bad outweighs the good for me, uh, honestly. It, the good was good. I mean, he moved the moved the ball, but he moved the ball at Tennessee last year. Yeah. Uh, and but then he'd make a decision. Uh, the the one that got me was the one where he could have probably run for a first down, uh-huh. I know and exactly then turns and just about. slings it into the end zone across his yeah. body, and the, it's nowhere close to his receiver, and yeah. it lands right in the bread basket of the defender. I mean, that's just. I felt like it was a microcosm of his time at Tennessee, yeah. where he shows this athletic ability and gets you all excited. And he'll make one just ridiculous decision uh, and turns the ball over, and then it snowballs for him. It's like he makes the first mistake, and he gets in his own head, and all of a sudden it snowballs, and it gets really, really bad. Uh, he shows upside. His athletic ability, we'll talk about this mm. in a minute, is, is tremendous. Um, obviously, you're, you're wowed by his arm, mm-hmm. by his size, by the way he can move for his size. Mm. Uh, but his decision-making is just not great, yeah. it, and it hasn't changed. I mean – and and it tells me it's not a system problem at Tennessee. It was not a coaching problem at Tennessee. Uh, this is just Joe Milton's decision making is not great. Yeah, I, I think it showed why this Tennessee team last year didn't throw it over the middle like at all with yep. him, and it stayed mainly behind the line of scrimmage and outside the numbers. Yep. And because I mean, like you said, that throw was just awful. I don't oh, know what was man. going through his head to just you know throw off. The back foot just on the run, just, you know, let that thing loose, go into the other side of the end zone at that. So, I mean, across the body throw like that, you, you don't make that and impress anybody. You don't make that throw and impress anybody unless, you know, unless it's a miracle and your receiver comes down with it, which, like you said, it wasn't even close. So, I mean, 
big takeaway, uh, goods were okay, uh, but the bads, like you said, do outweigh the good. Uh, <laughs> it, it just threw me way off, just decision-making, uh, but it's still nothing new from Joe Milton. I think that he shows that he has the speed and size and arm talent, but I think his biggest problem, and it was his problem at Tennessee as well, is decision-making is way too flawed and inconsistent. And you've got to be able to read the field a little bit better. Um, Both of his interceptions were um, into double coverage and uh, probably should have been checked down to the flats or just thrown away. And in a game like that, I know you've only only had 13 opportunities to throw it, but... You've also got to keep in mind you're competing against the other guys that are playing in that game as well. Not only just your draft stock and as a whole, but Spencer Rattler, a guy that um, you know was hot and cold for South Carolina, and a lot of that was due to a really bad offensive line. Um, he's impressed a lot of people. A lot of people I've talked to that was the biggest biggest winner of last week. Um, that whole week in Mobile was Spencer Rattler. Absolutely, um, and that's an example of someone making the most of their opportunity. And Milton is a guy that um, has all the intangibles that Spencer Rattler does, a great arm, um, but Rattler just does a lot better job of decision-making, and I think that's something that will continue to um, harness Milton away from being a, 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 a successful quarterback in the NFL. Now, I still think he'll get drafted. I think he'll kill the combine and the, oh, yeah. and the pro yeah. day. Um, we'll dive more into that here in a second. But um, it did not help his draft stock. And um, it, it was it was not a great performance. Um, he had some good moments, but just again, why not take it and run for the the seven yards you're yeah, being allowed? Yeah. Why try to force it into the end zone and make the highlight play? The NFL scouts are not there to see who can make the biggest highlight play. They're there to see who can make the right play. And Milton dropped the ball a couple times on that. Um, so did Milton's performance change your opinion of his draft stock? I gave mine. I think he'll still be a second-day pick because of his arm talent, because of his size, because of his I mean, just his build. He's a huge dude. Yeah. Um, and even before the game started, zipping it 70 yards down the field, he knows what he's doing <laughs> doing <Right>. that. <laughs> um, and he also – uh, you know, killed it a couple of times during the middle of the week with you know the arm talent competitions. He was the leader on a couple of those metrics. Um, I think he'll do really well in the combine, really well in the pro day. Those are non-football game situations. I think he does really well in those. He needs an offensive coordinator, an offensive mind at the NFL level to help teach him. Hey, you can't do this. You can't do that. I think it doesn't necessarily kill his draft stock. I think he may, may go a couple spots later now after the week. What do you guys say? Yeah, I agree. Uh, and again, walking back a, a little bit too harsh last week, admittedly. Um, but you know, that's the frustration I think that that he caused for some of us uh, last year because of the decision making. Uh, I think you're right. He's gonna slaughter the combine. Uh, just physically gifted, uh, a very gifted arm. Um, and can put it on the money from deep too, uh, in obviously non-game situations. Now we've seen it do. We've seen him do it a couple times in game situations as well. Uh, so he's going to crush that. I think he's probably a mid-round pick. I think a good staff could develop him a little bit, make the decision making a little better. You can teach a quarterback a scheme and how to better read a defense. You can't teach physically, you know, being physically gifted. Um, so you know, take that, put him in the right system. I think he could. I think he could do well as a mid-round pick. Yeah, I, I think his his draft stock kind of feels 
like it might go in the direction almost of like a Will Levis last year, where, I mean, this is an impressive guy with arm talent just out the wazoo, but you look at his decision-making in-game situations, and it really draws you back. So, I mean, we, we saw Will Levis fall from like what was supposed to be a top-five pick to a second-day guy. Uh, so... Besides that, not too much has changed. Again, he's going to kill the combine in pro day. I'm pretty sure he's a uh, pretty impressive individual outside of football as well, so I think that'll help his case too. Uh, But beyond that, I I don't think it really changes his ceiling in the draft too much. Yeah, so Milton's performance in-game isn't great, but I think the stuff he'll do off the field Mm -hmm. and and non-in-game is great. And you say, well, Levis. I say Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Um, that's that's fair. Richardson was a guy that – showed all the talent and I think he's more talented than Milton don't get me confused there but um, struggled at times at Florida only played 12 games at the college level didn't have a whole lot of tape and Milton does have some tape but also you know really this year was his first full year of starting since his time at Michigan and that's back when you know uh, before COVID happened Um, so um, I, I think that Richardson last year did a really good job at the Combine, really good job at the Pro Day, wowed everyone, and I think we'll see the same from, from Milton here. I think he'll kill the off, you know, non-game situational stuff. His stock will be boosted. I still don't see him going any farther than a fourth-round pick, though. Um, or maybe a, a third-round pick, late yeah. third, mm-hmm. um, and then fourth round. I think he could be a day-two guy late if a team wants to take a chance on that. Um, but I could also see the fourth round, in my opinion – Third and fourth round, maybe early fifth is his window. Um, if not, I don't really see um, – I, I guess you could take a chance on him in a later round. But I, I think if a team really wanted him, that would be his time frame, in my opinion. All right, when we come back, we'll give our best bets. Stay right here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. Hello, Fan Run listeners. We want to thank all of you for your support of the new Fan Run Morning Show. In our first few weeks on the air, we've welcomed Hall of Fame coach Rick Barnes, Vol legend Josh Dobbs, Tennessee assistant coach Greg Polinski, and other great writers and experts to our show. And we're just getting started. So if you're missing the morning show, you're truly missing out. Join us Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. on 1340 a.m., 105.7 FM, and on the Fan Run Radio app. Wake up with the Fan Run Radio Morning Show. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. 
Are you tired of spending hours on laundry and ironing? Let Crown Cleaners handle your dry cleaning so you can handle your business. Our expert team can take care of your clothes, removing stains and wrinkles like they were never there. Whether it's your best suit or everyday attire, we handle it all at Crown Cleaners. Say goodbye to laundry stress and hello to extra free time. Crown Cleaners, Big Orange Country's Imperial Dry Cleaning Service since the 1960s. Online at crowncleaners.com. Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just gotta start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get White Claw Vodka Soda. You'll taste better I'm about to get a PhD in deliciousness. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all-new White Claw Vodka Soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. Back here on Overtime, it's time for our best bets on this Monday night. I'll begin with my two, both in college basketball. Um, We begin with North Carolina Central, minus eight, taking on Morgan State tonight. Uh, North Carolina Central is averaging 77 points per game on 48%, or excuse me, 45% shooting while just allowing 69 points per game. Currently second in the MEAC with a 5 1 record in conference play. Beat the crap out of Coppin State at home on Saturday. Um, I like North Carolina Central again at home. They're eight and two in their last ten against the spread. Been really good against at home as well. And as a favorite, I like North Carolina Central tonight. My next one, little gross here, but Kansas State plus four. Um, mm. Kansas is coming off their biggest win of the season, where they were dominant, shot the ball so well, defended Houston really well. They're coming off their best game of the year. Now having to go on the road and play their rival in Kansas State. Jerome Tang has got this team. This team struggling right now. No way around it. This is a must-win spot for them. Also, Kansas. Keep in mind this season, despite how good they've been, they've struggled on the road in conference play. Mm-hmm. Losses to UCF and West Virginia. Rivalry game. Uh, a team coming off their biggest win of the year. I'm going to take the home dog. Kansas State plus four. Mm, okay. All right. We'll, we'll go opposite then. I took Kansas minus four and a half. I think this is a momentum builder for the Jayhawks, uh, a team that has struggled on the road, but, man, they really found something against Houston. They look, again, like a very dominant team. Uh, I think they were just in a bit of a rough patch. I mean, they were playing uh, you know, kind of off at home as well during that stretch with losses mm-hmm. to UCF and West Virginia. They were not playing great at home. Uh, that by far is, I think, their best performance of the year uh, against a really good Houston team who I actually took to cover and win that game. Uh, and they were, it was, they were never in it. Um, Kansas put them away early. Uh, they're going to ride that momentum. Uh, I, I like the Jayhawks, minus four and a half. Yeah, they've been bad on the road, uh, but I like them tonight uh, against the Kansas State team that's just plain outmatched. Uh, my second one, going to the NBA, uh, Cavs, minus three and a half. Uh, home against the Kings. They get Evan Mobley back last week. They get Garland back. They're back to pretty much full strength now. Um, and a half game back of the Bucks. All of a sudden, the Cavs are a half game back of second in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, really starting to roll. They get everybody back. Uh, I like them at home against the Kings team that's good, but like you said, young, inexperienced. Um, and, and I think the Cavs are ready to make their playoff push. I like them minus three and a half. 
So I've also got Kansas minus four and a half at K State. Uh, I, I know it is a rivalry game, and you know Kansas did go through that dry spell. But I mean, uh, K State's on a four-game skid there of themselves, and they their most recent home game they lost by twenty uh, against Oklahoma. So that's something that took in uh, to my consideration, uh, as well as just how well they played against Houston. Finally, getting out of their little rut, it feels like uh, they're primed for a late-season run, starting to swing back into March. Uh, see if they can't make. Uh, a push for a one seed at this point. So I'm taking Kansas minus four and a half. I've also got in the NBA, I've got Hornets plus 12 and a half against the Lakers. Uh, I don't know somebody, I know you said somebody early on one of the earlier shows had Lakers minus 23 or something yeah, like that, I, which is a, a little ridiculous. Number, I don't think I would ever take that in my life. I think the Lakers still win tonight. Uh, the Hornets not a good team, only won 10 games this year. And I mean, for the most part, besides Jared Vanderbilt, Lakers should be in full strength tonight. I think LeBron's still kind of like a game time decision, but AD's good to go. They're coming off of uh, back-to-back road wins, especially the one a couple days ago against uh, the Celtics. That was a fun one to watch. Yeah. So, uh, again, I don't think the Lakers lose tonight. I just don't think they pull it off by 13 or more. All right, and those are our best bets of the night. When we come back in the second hour, Cliff Kingsbury going to the Washington Commanders. What does that mean for Caleb Williams? And we'll also talk about the NBA trade deadline. Stay right here on Overtime. 